0: It's the Breaking Barriers Podcast brought to you by Say Yes Buffalo, the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable, and the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo. Here's your host, Daniel Robertson. I know you're going to dig this. Hello and welcome to the Breaking Barriers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Robertson. I'm here today with actually one of my colleagues from Say Yes Buffalo. His his name is Idris Waji. He's actually one of our uh, navigators, community, community school navigators at... 43. 43. Yeah. Uh, oh, the 43. I, I went to Lovejoy for one year. Yeah. That was uh, short lived uh, when I was a student. To uh, talk about that experience. Man. No, we ain't going to talk about that. I got, That was the one and only time I've ever been suspended in my life was at 43. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, went to, it was one of those issues that uh, came about because uh, you know how people say you don't. it's the one person you don't say anything about is your mama, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't know talk about <laughs> We're yep. getting off topic yeah, I know. Hey, man, that's how it be, though. All it's right. like
1: there's no negotiables with that one uh, back then. Yeah, you're
0: definitely right about that. <laughs> Drees, it's good to have you on the podcast, man. Um, uh, I know you're involved in a lot of things in the community. Uh, first and foremost, say yes, but then everything else that you do outside in, re- in relation to the arts. Before we even kind of get to the Freedom Wall, because I know that's going to be a big chunk of kind of what we talk about, uh, can you talk about just. Your upbringing and and just growing And what it was like for you growing up in Buffalo
1: Absolutely, so uh, born on I was actually, interesting I was born in my house Like I was born at home, my mom had a wet nurse You know, I'm the second of two I have an older sister that's four years older than me We look like twins, but we're four years apart Um, But I was born in in my house, man And I was the only person in my household That was actually born with an uh, Islamic name Okay. Um, everybody else had a, um, I guess I don't want to say American, but just like a typical name before they converted, you know. But I was just born Idris Wadgett, no middle name. Um, so born on Ferry, spent a good deal of time about seven years over on Goulding, you know, Hamlin Park area. Yep, went to yep, school yep. 74. My sister went to 53, so community schools back then. Then um, went over to Central Park. Um, my parents split when I was about seven years old, and, and we literally split out of the community we were in, you know, from, so everything, new house, new new area, moved over to Central Park. And so from the time I was seven until, you know, t- until the story goes now, like, I was just pretty much <laughs> like a single, my mom was single parent, you know? Gotcha. So, you know, growing up in Central Park, man, you know, I did the things that every other kid did. Like, there was no difference between me and, you know, everybody else in the block, you know, okay. Girl over, but there was no, mar- there was only one married couple that I recall actually, the Thetfords, the Thetfords right. lived on, and I want to shout them, I mean, whoever hears it, man, but um, the Thetfords, man, they were like the only married couple that I recall, man, they were on a block behind me on Maple Ridge, I lived on Pembroke, okay. within eyesight of e- ECMC, um, so yeah, I did, you know, I did everything else everybody else did, man, running around in the streets playing football, flag footballs, you know, um, not flag football, I'm saying touch football.
0: Man, we, that was sideline pop, man. Oh, yeah. See, I don't know how far back, <laughs> you know, string yeah, strings and no strings, <laughs> man, you know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where people sit, man.
1: So all that, you know. So, yeah, all of that. I've done all of that, you know. Um, and the thing was, too, man, was that, like, I went to, I guess I, I went to City Honors, you know, and City Honors is far across town, you know, as a, compared to where central park is yeah definitely. you know so when i would come back to you know back to my my dwellings or whatever man i there was nobody else around me that went to city honors you know so for years man i kind of pocketed that you know what i that i guess that elitism that kind of state you know that kind of permeates when you talk about city honors right. like i always downplayed that and i never realized and the potential of what it meant for me to go to city honors like it was so secondary to me like i love city honors well i was there the entire time man i mean it formed who i am from fifth grade all the way to the time i graduated still have friends that i kick it with and everything but it was like a separate life you know back you know in the the neighborhood you know what i mean because completely (laughs) None of, none of that mattered. You know what I'm saying? None of that mattered. Go see. His own, you know, and so I downplayed because there was nobody else around me camaraderie wise besides the friends that I saw at school that felt like that it meant anything, you know, but, um, so my sister went to Bennett, um,
0: how'd that work you out? Know? Yeah. one one, one, one at Bennett, one at, one, city, one honors. at city honors, you know, you now, know. you know, a kid go to city honors, especially, you know, uh, uh. uh, uh Young man of color Or a young female of color It's, it's a big deal If you got City Honors Big deal still it To this
1: day man Funny enough I'm skipping around a little bit My children didn't get into City Honors
0: I didn't either So And I graduated Valedictorian I don't know how that <laughs> happened But you know That's another story My children
1: did not get in man. And I married A person I went to City Honors with Okay yeah so them dice ain't roll for the kids man to get in my boys to get in the city but oh man you was like yeah. high
0: school sweethearts then no no no,
1: no <laughs> nope nope never happened later on yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> you was always really good friends though like we right. met you know part of my jumping around but my wife and i met when she was a freshman because i was there from fifth grade okay she came as a freshman and just kicked it off as real good friends right from the jump and, right. you know so yeah that marriage came later but so, that's yeah. a good foundation yeah man. Yeah man. I'm I'm appreciative of if if nothing else came out of that school, man. Meeting her. I I tell her regularly like meeting her was just like very special, man. So I appreciate that, you know. So, yeah man. I was just a regular kind of kid, man. Athletic, very artistic, you know, introverted but still like I was able to I guess they call it code switching now, you know what I mean? Like I was able to just navigate wherever I was, man.
0: Let's pause right there real quick because this uh this comes up and some of the conversations that we have with the young men on the, on the leadership council and how do you feel about just code switching in, in general because the first time i was actually introduced to the term code switching was i think i was a sophomore at ub and it was in one of my african american studies classes mm. and i was like wow okay so i've been doing this for a while but never mm-hmm. knew there was an the actual term behind it right mm-hmm. um so I, how do you feel about the term code switching
1: that's a great that's a great <laughs> point man because I'm only referencing that term now because I just learned about him, you know, like I just heard about it. Like within maybe the past five years, five, six years, you know, it was just a thing. It was just a survival kind of thing, you know. And again, what I talked about, like subduing that city honors portion of me, you know, because I went I was in I was Idris Wajid living on Pembroke. For much longer than I was A student at City Honors So the bigger part of me Was how I spoke You know Where I lived and dwelled most mm-hmm. You know um, So I think Again Code switching though man To be Right on the top You know stick to that topic Is It's a survival mode man it's, I mean it's a It's a mechanism that Almost You must learn You know as a kid uh, as A kid of color you know
0: Yeah definitely I,
1: I think it is I don't You can call it whatever man But it's I don't know. I don't know. It shouldn't have to be that way. I don't, you know. But I it, think it's like anything it's, else. It's just like it's 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 exercise almost. It's like anything else, you know. Yeah. Like there's some people that don't go to gyms. Cool, <laughs> right? There's some people that don't code switch, and there's and there's, <laughs> and there's and there's and there's some consequences that come along with that, you know, or oh, some man. results that come along with that, you know.
0: Tell me about it. <laughs> I feel like it's one of the things that we, uh, as as young men of color especially working for an organization like Say Yes and interacting with some of the people that we interact with on a daily basis. Uh, It bothers me to a certain extent because I know in certain arenas, I have to dress a certain way for people to even pay attention to what's about to come out of my mouth, right? And in this day and age, we still have to kind of maneuver like that. So it was actually, it came up last week when we were at Fredonia. I was talking to my mentor about you know, we were all wearing our Breaking Barriers t-shirts to the, uh, to the to the the Men of Color Summit. And prior to that, I was asked to actually sit on a panel. And the day before the summit, maybe two days before the summit, an email came out uh, basically talking about how they were going to be different organizations there, different businesses, and how, you know, when you walk into that mm-hmm. arena, there's opportunity there. You should mm-hmm. present yourself in a certain way. So we... Working with the young men we're working with, ages 12 to 24, it wasn't enough time to really kind of get flush that information out to them. And we had already told them that you can wear your T-shirts, you can wear jeans, you can kind of just come as you are. So we we didn't want to you know, go back on that and have them stressing about trying to find a shirt and a tie right, or right, a blazer right. and some slacks and things of that such. And here I am, I had to sit on this panel. And I was kind of even struggling with the fact that am I going to wear my Breaking Berries T-shirt and just a blazer mm. or am I going to wear a suit? Mm-hmm. and really portray that image for our young men that we have to look a certain way when we go into certain to- certain arenas. Yep. And I was like, you know what? Nope, I'm going to rock my Breaking Barriers t-shirt because I'm with my crew and this is what we agreed to do. And I'm still going to sit on the panel. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't matter all the time about what I have on because I can speak intelligently about whatever the content area is. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So uh, that's still one of the things that we have to deal with.
1: Still, man. Still. I don't... And I don't have the answer to that. I mean And then
0: when you look at it from the standpoint of, alright, so that's when you're stepping into a certain arena. You have to look a certain way yep. for people to pay attention to you, right? And you know when you when you when you have to be about your business, you gotta be about your business. Absolutely. But then it's like when as a young male of color, when you're around your peers and you got your suit on, mm-hmm. they're kinda of looking at you like,
1: Why? Yeah man. Why why Isn't you all something? suited
0: and booted up today? Like and then when you start speaking in a certain way, like, you know, that term, I'm going to use it. They say you're acting white. Acting white.
1: Yep. It's yep. like. Think at that want... line. There. Look at that line that we have to walk, man. Hey.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Think why, of that line.
0: To this day, still, why do we have to walk that line?
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. i just, I tell you this much. I love the conversation, though, because it's so real. Yeah. It's real. It's like there's nothing fabricated about it. Depending on who you talk to, though, depending on who you talk to that can't walk this, that, 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 that don't have the experiences that we have as black men. It, it seems like we're just making it up. You know what I mean? That's like the only thing that gives you confirmation is the fact that your experience is real for you to speak towards when it, when you've experienced those things, whether with your own peers or you in those environments where you got to flip the switch on, right? Or you got to put on the blazer or you got to do whatever. You have those moments that are real. You have these conversations with other people that make you like, yeah, I know it ain't me. I'm not tripping. Those only things that really make it validate that that make it valid. Like, yeah, man, this is we're still talking about this right now. (laughs) You know, fast forward to the Starbucks thing, right?
0: Man, current.
1: Yeah, right to right now, and a piece of that because I don't really read the news much, man. I don't, TV don't come on nothing. I don't, my monitor all that, but. I saw a piece that said that their friend that they were waiting with, who was a white guy, says something to the nature of, they're with me, in order to kind of protect them from the authorities when the authorities came. Why? Wow. Right? Wow. right? <laughs> like, think okay. about the connotation about that.
0: That's like when we, we say we go, you know, to, to an event, right? And we at the door and you're like, you know, you know, one of the bouncers, right? And the bouncer's like, oh, you good. And then your man behind you. And he rolling up, and the boss is like, "I don't know him, so he, you know he got to pay." And then you like, you know, no, nah, he good, he with me. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Same situation, right? Same situation, <laughs> man. Same situation, but that flashed me back to like several, several years ago. You know, that ain't even got to go that far back. We can go back sixty. You can go back to the fifties or sixties or somewhere around there, man. For two black men, you know, obviously they were educated. The whole shot they might have had on a hoodie, sweatpants, whatever. No matter that. But somebody who looked like the authority had to speak up. These, these guys are with me. No, they're fine. Leave them alone. They're, I can vouch for them. Why do we need that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why can't my word of saying, hey, I'm here to meet. I'm waiting on our third party. I didn't order nothing yet. Right? Why, why can't the conversation stop there? Because we haven't come so far. Like people believe that we've come so, so far. Yes, we've made some advancements. Absolutely. Baby steps absolutely but let's look at the big picture <laughs> you right. know so anyway though these things round me not round me these things give me fire man you know because i don't see you know what you're doing with the podcast you know what uh what, what several of our positive men are doing man what we're doing is not much different than what our predecessors are doing man we got more tools you know, um, like they say, we standing on the t- on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, mm-hmm. but even with that advantage, with us standing on the people that have done the work, we still short. Like still. we still can't dunk yet. You know what I'm saying? We. St- I, I mean, I never could, but, <laughs> 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 but vertically me, challenged, me man. Either, you know, but it's <laughs> like we got crates, we got standing on the shoulders of people, and we st- we still can't dunk.
0: Oh man, you're gonna take me to another level. So I know you've gone through the. Um, Racial equity uh, training.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talking, oh, about you, equity and equality, right?
0: You're talking about the boxes, so you yeah, know you, oh, that's man. what I'm thinking about right oh, now, right? Man, that was heavy. Why we, Why can't we just remove all the boxes oh, and, and take the fence down, right? <sighs> we we're not gonna go there today, though. <laughs> Yo,
1: man. Oh, man. I'm a visual dude. That that hit me. I'm a visual dude. Like I could read about this stuff all day, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, that was that was that visual for me. I was like that's a perfect way to explain equity versus equality yeah. you know and then eliminating all of that and like you said this, but anyway right. let me not we
0: got people trying to put up a wall we just trying to get the fences to come down but right. I'm going to switch gears because right, uh, right. you know we'll get in trouble yeah. alright uh, so Idris <laughs> I know your passion is, is uh, in the arts yeah so kind of tell talk about how that came to be absolutely because you don't I mean, I haven't seen a lot of young men of color uh, have the the type of passion for the arts that I know you have. And um, also, uh, Jarrell, I definitely got to give Jarrell a shout out in regards to everything that he's doing in regards to the arts and, Mm -hmm. you know, running his um, own business down there on Allen. But just kind of, you know, how'd you get into it? Where did it come from?
1: So going back, both of my parents are artists. So... My dad is a master crafter jeweler. Like, he's one of the first African-American jewelers in Buffalo, Wow! you know, on record. My mom, this is when they were married, right? And my mom was, um, she used to make so clothes. Like, she used to make our clothes. Like, my dad made our furniture, our tables, our, you know, our chairs. He handmade those things. So it wasn't just jewelry. He's just like a crafter in general and an artist, amazing artist, and my mom would make our clothes like you know always looked a little different than everybody else but so i always saw paper i always saw pencils everywhere so you know that as kids one of the things that we do as children just innately we imitate that's what we do you know so i didn't know anything about it i didn't i wasn't in my house at four or five years old saying i'm going to make art like it was my mom's drawing my dad's drawing i'm there's a pencil in front of me you i just literally started imitating what they were doing like, my dad used to draw these um, roller skating. My dad loves roller skating. Right. He used to study ice skating, and he used to draw, like, you know, the, the human figure all the time. And I didn't, you know, using circles, very geometric stuff. And I always used to imitate that. Again, didn't know what it was doing for me development developmentally as an artist. But that's where it all started. Then, and I know you can relate to this because we talk about mentorship, right? When you ask about X. So I had a mentor in, in City Honors and she was a white woman she was very hard on me i didn't understand what her deal was because as for me i thought she was had it in for me you know like she was that hard on me like um her expectation of me is right where i probably should have been anyway like right where i should have been going like why are you expecting so much from me type of deal i didn't get it though at the time but to give you an example like If she would hand out to every 20 kids in the classroom, she'd hand out a piece of paper and, you know, whatever the project was. You know, you using geometric shapes, create a building of your dreams, whatever. She would do stuff like she would come in with a compressor, an airbrush, um, like a whole airbrush machine and kit like brand new. Wherever she ordered it from, school supplies, I don't know. And we like there was a little separate room um, in the art room pretty decent size and she'd go like go figure that out i'm like i've never seen this before in my life you oh. know i've never seen so that's what kind of and i didn't and I, I didn't accept that as a i didn't accept that as an honor you know what i'm saying it was like this is hard man like why like you don't even know how to use this airbrush like why are you doing this to me i saw it like that as opposed to when i'm as an adult and i'm looking back like she kind of Gave me the grounds For how I approach Several projects now okay. Like I don't have The answers When I get into Certain projects I just say yep Cause I know And like I'm going To figure it out I'm going to find my way And so I have to Give her the shout out Man miss, miss, Her name is Gail Taychuk, And so all throughout High school Man that's how she was With me man She would give me These separate projects I never got graded By the same projects Everybody else did She always pushed me Harder like Yeah go take this And I'm like What is this well, I'm, this is a, you know, stipple pin. Why do like, you think
0: she pushed you so hard?
1: She had to see something. She she saw something. You know, she saw something that I didn't even see or recognize, you know. And, again, I thank her now. But back then, I was like, what is this about? Why are you man? riding me? Ride yeah, that. riding me, man. Riding me. And that was the thing that was so interesting, though, because she didn't even have knowledge of most of the stuff she gave me. And, with, you know, it wasn't like I can go on, like, Pinterest and find this out i couldn't go on youtube back then and find oh, out dude. how to use a airbrush gun you couldn't know what i yeah i couldn't google any of that like i had to break several needles and tips jam up the compressor right i had to i broke stuff trial and error trial and error <laughs> <laughs> right and my grade was based off of did you figure it out or you finished a piece or you learned how to use this you learned how to use this and you know uh uh uh, I forgot the frisket, like this little frisket stuff that you can kind of carve with X-Acto knife. You peel it off, you spray or whatever, and you peel it off at the kind of masks part that you don't want to paint on. Like, I had to figure all that out.
0: All of that. You're you speaking know? a foreign language to me. Well. Right. So, I mean, so I
1: say that to say, like, that was part of my artistic development. Um, when I was a senior, I didn't want to go to school, to college. Interestingly enough, now I didn't want to go to college for myself. I wanted to be an artist. Like I just knew from a job, like I want to be an artist. Right. I didn't know what that meant by that time. But I just know I wanted to create art all the time. I wanted to make music all the time. All those things. Cause I just all those things make me who I am. And um, my mom was like, "What you gonna do?" I was like, "I want to go to New York." She was like, "You going to Buff State?" <laughs> like that was her response. You know, like, yeah, this sounds lofty, lofty. Yeah, but you're going to Buff State. You know, like almost like not even recognizing. The talent that I had, or whatever, but it's the path that my, it was my path, man. And I obeyed. I lived there, you know. What was I going to do? You didn't, I
0: didn't. Well, as long as you live under this roof, you're going to do what I say, right? Well,
1: right, <laughs> <laughs> right. And because I didn't have enough gall or the knowledge to be just like, I hear you, mom. Respect that. But I'm going to catch the Greyhound to New York. I didn't have that gall, you know. And so I went to Buff State, and I picked my degree by basically what. I went, I went there and I did a bunch of general classes first. first you know, my attitude was poor because I was just like, I don't care. Man. I don't I want to be in college, you know. And and so I had like all these courses and then they sent me a letter like, yeah, you have like a whatever, 80, well, I don't even remember, 60, I don't even remember how many credits I had. And they were like, you need to pick something, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> Well, what does that mean? Because my guidance counselor was terrible. My guidance counselor was terrible. So I ended up getting a second guidance counselor, and she just kind of led me along the way to navigate through it. Pardon me. And then um, I was like, well, how's the fastest way I can get out of here? Like, what's the <laughs> fastest way? Like, computers and Macs were just kind of budding then, and then, you know, I always had art in my pocket and then graphic design. I remember seeing graphic design in the like in the little booklet. and I was like, "Oh, what's that?" You know, read about. It. I was like, "Man, I'll just that might be something I could do." You know, and sure enough, I picked graphic design. Man, Dean's list, everything, because it was something that was I was intriguing to me. Again, it was that whole figuring out how do I do art on the computer. Like how do I? I had to do every medium, oils, pasta, everything. Like it was a rigorous course. Dean's List, man, once I found my, I won't say my calling, but once I found something I was definitely good at, but it wasn't challenging in the sense of, like, me quitting, you know, like, oh, man, I just can't do this, and I was, like, give me more challenging, like, man, this is, ah, right. ah, eating it, you know, but when I graduated, I can say that I don't think I was, I don't, I can't remember really being sadder when I graduated, because when I graduated, I was like, now what, I was like, what, is this, what does that mean, I got a degree, what okay. I, what can I do with it? <laughs> I was like, what can I, what am I going to do with this? You know? And I realized that my graduation was not even for me. I mean, I'm glad that I have that degree and that I haven't gone anything beyond just a, you know, bachelor's. But I realized that I graduated from my mom, you know, like, that's why, like it had nothing to like for me. It had nothing to do with me.
0: Listen, the only reason I walked across the stage was because my graduation fell on Mother's Day. I did not want to sit through that long behind really? graduation <laughs> at UB <laughs> really? North Campus, but I walked for mom. Right, right, yeah. right,
1: right. <laughs> so same deal, man. And so just from there, graduated bachelor of science, man. I just, I just always once I, I felt like once I delivered that for my mom, like, okay, now. I'm about to go do what I want to do. To maybe stay day. in the house. I went to Buff State. Yeah,
0: what you asked me to do. Yes, now I'm I, branching out. I'm yeah, I've been a good
1: dude. kid. You know, no <laughs> trouble, no nothing. You know, pretty much. And and that's when I just started. Yeah, I just started tearing my way through. You know, making and finding my way around. You know, as far as the arts go.
0: So before we get to the Freedom Wall, we definitely have to talk about that. How'd you How'd you wind up at Say
1: Yes? It's a great question. <laughs> it's simple though. So. I met Dave. Uh, Mr. Rust.
0: Shout out to David Rust, our executive director. Yes, at Say
1: Yes. Incredible human being, man. He's an incredible human being, man. Um So I was when I met Dave, it was at a O'Shai, like this O'Shai leadership thing that we were both a part of.
0: Shout out to the O'Shai Foundation as well. Big
1: time shout out to the O'Shai Foundation, who my son has a scholarship through Oshai. He worked. Hold very, up, what year? He worked very hard through them. Man, he graduates in 2019.
0: Oh man, I was two, I was a uh, first class. Yeah. Uh, John R. Oshai Foundation. Yeah. That's back in '98. Oh,
1: that's dope. That's They, huge, they didn't man. even have
0: color back in the the. the um, Book that they give everybody now. We are still black and white. Oh, I'll never forget yeah. I had on this gold shirt and these black <laughs> dress pants. I hated it. I look back at it now, like, Ma, how'd you do that to me? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I met Dave at one of the old Shy Leadership trainings, and that was many years ago. I don't even remember how long ago that was. But me on my path, you know, from doing music to doing art to doing all these things, like being entrepreneurial, like I've done several things where i've taken these moments and you know of time where i have gave it my all at my craft you know and it's very hard to do that and take care of my family at the same time so when i was at tapestry i was a visual arts teacher at tapestry actually i visual. didn't know that see so oh, let's man. get to it so i was a visual arts teacher okay so let me back up if i if i may before i started teaching at tapestry about 2011 2010 2011 was a school year before that, my wife and I owned an art gallery over on Elmwood, 567 and 569 Elmwood. Right now, it's called The Cellar, I believe. It's right there. It's a sneaker store joint right on there, Lexington Elmwood. So we ran that, you know. Um, and again, we just did one of those. We did and ran that for like three years, you know. And once we started dipping into our personal savings, kind of deal it was like, yeah, you know, let's let's cut it off. But when we ended that, that's when I, again I took off and and i started doing my music thing and the music thing was lifting and taking off really well man like you know hundreds of thousands of views on youtube welcome to new york city google headquarters youtube headquarters i mean i mean youtube headquarters like getting really really good press man just off of just doing good music all right but as i mentioned about me trying to do my craft and make it make sense for my family that's when things kind of got it got interesting so basically my wife was holding us down you know working full time and she was laid off so it came literally came a fork in the road man you know they say fork in the road goes straight whatever i had to really pick a side and i didn't know what i was going to do like i was literally an independent artist man traveling if i didn't travel or i didn't produce anything i didn't i didn't bring any money home okay so there was um, I didn't have anything I didn't have any leads because I wasn't looking for work because I was just so determined to make it, it happen with my craft and I had a decision to make my wife was like well what are we going to do I'm like well I feel like I was this close you know that story about when you dig for gold and you're like "Oh, you quit turn around and the next person comes and just ding 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 right they found it was kind of like that situation I was like babe I'm so close I'm like, but the money predicts what my decision is Right. you know and so a friend of mine, Nikki, who teaches at Tapestry today, she called me out of the blue. I don't know when the last time I saw Nikki. Called me out of the blue, man. Just this divine order, I guess. It was like, hey, man, you know, when you're ready to grow up, give me a call. Like, that was her message she left for me. When you're <laughs> ready to grow up, give me a call.
0: I don't want to grow up,
1: man. I'm a <laughs> Toys R Us kid. <laughs> you know? When you're ready to grow And I'm like, so I call her back. I'm like, yo, what does that mean? You know what I'm out here trying to do? You know, right. I'm so close to the- She's like, well, we keep looking, we got in this search for teachers, you know, here, our teachers, we, ha- we haven't found anybody. Like, I just think you'd be perfect. Now I'm not certified as a teacher. I have a lot of experience in teaching because I've always been, you know, whether it's coaching, mentoring, I've always been involved with kids. So I have the experience, right? But I didn't have the certification, but being at the charter allowed for me to be highly qualified, but not certified. So I went through all the interviews. It was three interviews. I interviewed terribly on purpose. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose, man. I, like, I wasn't like sabotaging myself, but I wasn't in highest form. You know, I wasn't in highest form. Like, man, I need this job. I need this. I was like.
0: It wasn't what you really wanted to do. You wanted not to only music.
1: Not only that. Not only was it not what I wanted to do, but again, I'm thinking like, I know teachers. I know people that are in education that and what they paid and what they experienced and what they've sacrificed to be in that vocation, right? right. And here I am, just a dude getting a call who's good with kids, but I didn't go through all the school and do what they do. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm already counting myself out. I'm like, man, ain't know, what are they going to hire me for, man? You, you know, can't like,
0: downplay, downplay the experience, though, I man. Did,
1: but I did. Every interview, that. every interview, and at the last interview, the very last interview, I think the principal or whatever, she's like, are you excited about the possibilities, you know, of, you know being here and all that? My silly self, I said, Nope. <laughs> and he was like, what? I said, well I'm just I'm, i said I, I couldn't do I couldn't fabricate an answer. You know how you in the interview and you think of the best answer and yeah, this isn't that. I'm telling you what you want to hear. You just couldn't you. I couldn't do it, man. I was like, nah. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like I said, because only you know whether you're gonna hire me or not. I said, I can't I'm not gonna sit here and give you the answer and try to pick your brain to think about what you're going to right. what I think you wanna hear. I said, I don't I said, so if you if it happens and it works out, then great. I said, if not, I've been here before where I thought that I got the job and I didn't. I said, so like that. Lo and behold, man, you get the car. You know? And so that kinda of dictated what to do. I mean, it was either wait a couple more months. If I couldn't uh swing it to try to make the big break musically or take what was in front of me, man, burden the hand, so I started teaching there, so to get all the way around to how I met Dave, I saw Dave when he was visiting tapestry, right okay. and Dave in this you know this casual way was like, so so how you doing, man? You know, I see it all on my face, man, you know what I'm saying, and I was like, five years- good for that, yeah, man, <laughs> you know. And I was like, yeah, so he's like, how you doing? I'm like, man, I'm all right, you know, whatever, you know, making a great impact in these kids' lives, man, which meant a lot to me. That was, I can't fake that. I gave it everything, you know. And then, so that was the first time. And then he came back again just through several visits. And the last time he came, though, man, my face was definitely different. My mold was different. Everything was different about me because I had been beaten down, like, just by those two things, by, like, abandoning my vision and my dream and all that it takes to pour into the kids you know all of the takes i was the only black teacher there in that building oh man so,
0: that's another conversation for another podcast yeah i'm bringing you back for that one
1: yep well good man I mean, you got me so yeah so he was like hey man you know there's something going on there's some development going on that say yes man you know he's starting to these these new positions or whatever and he just told me to look into it you know he told me to look into it otherwise i wouldn't even know to look and to say yes you know um and i i quit tapestry before i even had the interview i, I didn't have anything Lee would say i just quit because i knew I, I wasn't serving those kids anymore you know like i was just in a dark place you know for me spiritually i want to say, say, say spiritually but i was just in a dark place man because i wasn't able to create i was teaching art so people were like oh man you teach art that should be good i'm like yeah that's different teaching yeah. art is much different than the fulfillment I get when I'm creating art, creating art it's yeah. much different I don't have that time anymore you know because I was taking work home and you know how that is man you can't ever unplug from the work right so <laughs> that's what it was but so that's the sh- that's the long long version of it is yeah he sent me that and then you know a couple months later I just followed you know followed up with it the interview happened call came and then started working with Say Yes man. man that's
0: Say yes. Well, I guess we do. A, they, we do a pretty good job at uh, recruiting
1: good folk, good people, uh, man. It's a lot of good people. I say yes, man. Like incredible individuals, man. It's they a stole
0: you from tapestry, and Nadia came in, and she put the bug in my ear and took me away from CAO. But, uh, <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Hey,
1: man. <laughs> hey, if LeBron can do it, man, he can pull people. on <laughs> Oh man, you a LeBron fan? I'm not a fan of basketball, man. Oh, I'm just okay. making this... I about say, bro, <laughs> I, don't I,
0: I had to bring Kobe into the mix, man. I am not a LeBron fan. No. No, not at all. Com- what? It, it is, man. What? You know, he dropped 45 the other night, but he's going to have to do that the entire playoffs for him to make it to the finals.
1: possible, man? Because
0: I'm a Kobe fan. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Kobe fan, you're not a LeBron fan. It's just... And these oh, comparisons, man. the Mike right now—it's just—he's it's, not yeah. even—he not—he didn't even surpass Kobe yet. How are you gonna compare the Mike? But, yeah,
1: that's because yeah, you're separate. Yeah, but I don't—I don't—I'm don't, not a fan of any. Of you. I don't—I don't even watch sports. But Ali, is that yeah. is, yeah. All
0: right. Uh, so you ask say yes now. Yeah. Working as a navigator, kind of talk about what you're doing in that role as a navigator at 43.
1: So community school navigator, is still forming. You know, like there's still protocols and things being rolled out for it. It's brand new. It was only a year and a half in. Yeah, but it so already expanded, right? Yeah, already we already we had expanded. We started with 13 schools, well, we expanded, expanded with, to. We had about 16 community school navigators now. We started with nine originally. Right. The original cohort, I think, had nine, so we're at like 16 now. But basically, you know, we're there to support and be the liaison or the mouthpiece or the, uh, the worker be in between what the principal's vision of the school is. All of the resources That come into that building You know Community wise Like you know Trying to make connections Between the school And the community So that way the community Is now not just a school But like a community uh, What do you call it Like a club not a, not a clubhouse Isn't the word I'm looking for But A community center almost
0: Serves as like the hub For that neighborhood Hub is
1: the word I'm looking for Yeah you Bring yeah, people yeah. in
0: on Saturdays Doing yeah. Saturday academies And expose them to
1: Yeah just... all kinds of resources That are right there In the neighborhood And right. they also to encourage um, to the parents and to the kids, that they sh- if they don't attend that school, that's a mile away from you, 0. 0.7 miles away, 0. 0.5 miles away from you, next door to you, no if house. you don't <laughs> go to that school, like to kind of cultivate what that looks like, you know, to kind of reimagine that school. Like what does this school need to be in order for you to find interest in this school being, you know, closer to you, for you to find pride in this building, for you to find pride in this neighborhood, in this building, being in that neighborhood, those sorts of things. So you know, um, we do a lot of coordinating. You know, a lot of event coordinating, yeah. um, a lot of phone, calls, a lot of emails. It's really trying to make and connect the dots. That's all it is. That's how I see it. It's like a, just like a, you know, bunch of threads. You're master connector, man. Master connector, man. I, I can't say I'm a master at it, but I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> you I'm on trying.
0: You're you on your way, man. Yeah. You're on your way. In. Um, I'm sure you plugged in with tons of people, man, just due to the work that, you know, you do outside of your work with Say Yes. Um, So as we kind of pivot, uh, the Freedom Wall, I know this is like, is this probably, is this the biggest project that you've kind of been involved in to date? Absolutely. All right. So absolutely. I know some people out there still don't know about the Freedom Wall or haven't had a chance to actually go and see it on mm-hmm. uh, Ferry and Michigan. M- Michigan. Yep. I was about to say Mastin, but you yep. know, same area. The same area. Right across the street from uh, Performing Arts. Yeah, <laughs> right, right across All from right. PA. Get yep. people some landmarks uh, to, to go check it out. Um, just, it's a masterpiece, man. Just a beautiful piece of art and to have that, especially where it sits, um, mm-hmm. I can't say enough about it and I'm uh, kind of just uh, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so I want to say first that Eva Doyle She's one of the dignitaries on the wall It's a 300 foot long wall Maybe the highest Those are the kind of walls that we need For real mm. Those those are yeah. the kind of walls that we need Those are the walls we need So um, Eva Doyle said it best to me She said it's an outdoor museum You know And I agree with that Because you don't need to go into an establishment You don't have to pay anything to go see it you just need to walk, ride your bike, drive. You get to see that thing. You spend as much time with it as you want. So I agree, it's an outdoor museum. The opportunity came to me through the Albright Knox Art Gallery. They had a committee of people that you know picked some artists or whatever. But it did have—I won't say controversy. It was tricky at the beginning. <laughs> it was very tricky at the beginning All because right. the Albright. The way it goes, the Albright saw that wall. Communicate with the NFTA to kind of, you know, do this project. This, I don't even think it was called Freedom Wall at the time, but it, it definitely lent for the idea that they had to have this outdoor, you know, these, these pieces painted with dignitaries. However, they did not consult with the community at all. So they had a Chuck Tingley, who's an amazing artist, man, made a good selection of the artists. He was the only artist that was commissioned to do all 28 pieces originally so they hadn't consulted with the community to find out one you can't well, let me even say this they were like how is it that you're going to do these this 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 paramount kind of project of all these African American uh, dignitaries that have you know fought for human rights civil rights etc and you don't have a single black artist like there's a problem with that right <laughs> so <laughs> <the, the, laughs> that's was the conversation and that now, the director of the public art project, Aaron, Ott, I respect the guy a lot because he actually slowed down the project and had those tough conversations like he could have easily just pushed by it like, well, I hear you, but we're going to do this is the idea. We're going to do all these. He's doing them all. And I hope you like it type of deal. Like he actually reeled back, had community conversations about it, got roasted you know fricasseed. he was he was <laughs> he was in the fire man but what you see on the freedom wall now is what came out of that fire man and it's shining you know so we had difficult conversations they pulled in myself they pulled in john baker and they pulled in julia um julia bottoms okay. so those are the four artists along with chuck tingley each of us got seven dignitaries You know, we didn't really get the chance to... We didn't get to choose, but that choosing didn't really matter either because everybody was skilled enough to kind of do whomever they got. Gotcha. I was fortunate enough to get some of the people that I was on my personal wish list. So those are Harriet Tubman. That was Fannie Lou Hamer. Malcolm X and Frank Merriweather were my... So I got four of my wish list. You know, my private wish list. I got four of them. Uh, The other three are... Dr. Lydia T. Wright, who's the school who's named after, right? William Wells Brown, and W.E.B. Du Bois. All right. Yeah. And, man, you got cream of the crop, man. Yeah, man. All my people are dead. I didn't get to meet them. I'm not going <laughs> to. Some of the people on the wall, they got to meet their people. They're I'm like, <laughs> all my people have passed away. But nonetheless, so the project took place 2017. You know, over the course of like nine weeks, over the summer. It started in like July, went through to top of, end of August or whatever, top of September. And that to date is my biggest work as far as accomplishment art-wise for certain, man. The Albright-Knox.
0: That's huge. I don't. There's not a word to describe it.
1: I couldn't, that was never, but that was never even a dream of mine, though. Like, to be like, I want my work at Albright-Knox, so I want to... I just diligently did the work and handled what I could do. That's all I could do, you know. Like I'm, and I'm diligent with that. Like I'm really good with just doing what I, like they say, the circle, your circle of influence. Mm-hmm. I was focused on what I could handle, man. Everything else was just a plus if something came from that. And um, so I'm just grateful for that opportunity, and it's, it's going to be there long after whether I stay here or whatever the case. It's going to be there. No, for no, just
0: me. think about that. You had a, you had an instrumental part. And creating something that's going to last beyond our lifetime yes. and that young people are going to continue to see over and over and over and that's going to generate conversation. And I actually want to jump back real quick because you maybe think about something that one of the main reasons that we have the Youth Leadership Council is for the young men to kind of push forward policies and really start to have discussion around some of the issues that impact boys and men of color mm-hmm. and when we talk about policies and we talk about systems the same situation that kind of happened where a decision was made without including individuals that this will impact and you're dropping it in a, in an area where people of co- co- people of color tend to predominantly live well, yeah okay, live. Well, right. well, we tend to tend to well, live well, yeah. right um, without Mm-hmm. Asking them for their input, mm-hmm. consulting them, getting their feelings, their opinions on it. So it just takes me back to the whole policy piece where you have so many, so many things that have been put into play that impact boys and men of color. And
1: who's asking them?
0: Who's asking them? Right?
1: Who's? Uh.
0: So one of the big pieces that you know we're doing with the leadership council is. Developing that youth adult partnership and really asking young people what they need and what they want because I mean I've been victim of this and some of the organizations that I've worked in that we put together these programs we will design these models um, thinking that you know it's going to help kids and you ain't had a prime ingredient and didn't have a prime ingredient which is the input from the young people. So why?
1: Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man! And
0: that's what we, we you need that to start to move legislation, change policy. You have to have the input from the people that the things that you're trying to put into place. You know these things affect them. So how can you not get their input, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been going on for years.
1: And they wonder why why they don't engage, mm-hmm. right? They wonder why why they don't engage is because they don't have a piece in it. Right. Anytime somebody has a piece in it. And some skin in it, so to speak. Then, yeah, you'll see the, the engagement change. Yeah. You know, you've been listened to. You know,
0: and then when you also think about the individuals that tend to sit at the tables, or the individual that in, that puts a policy in place, oftentimes has no idea about. They don't understand the the background or the the lifestyle no. or um, how it impacts that individual. You, you you don't live it so mm-hmm. you're putting something in place but you have no idea how it impacts mm-hmm. me as a person of color because you nine times out of ten you're not a person of color that makes that decision. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You're doing guesswork. Right. And you think you're doing noble work but you're doing guesswork. Yeah and you think you know but you really don't know. No. And even now we I think we're at a point where we we tend to think we're experts on the things that impact young men and boys of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really don't know because it's been a generational oh, shift yeah. in a sense. Oh, yeah. So some of the same things that yeah, you still yeah. have some of the same issues, but they impact our generation that yeah. we kind of grew up in and the generation yeah. that's coming up behind us a little bit differently.
1: Absolutely. And All shouldn't right? it? Yeah. And shouldn't it? Yeah. It's evolution, man. We should evolve. Those yeah. kids are getting the, those, These kids that we're talking about now, the ones you're particularly working with, of that generation, man. They, oh, that generation's different. They should be. They should be a little different. The world's different. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Each generation should be different. And Each generation has said that about generations that come after them. Right. Oh, they different. Yep. Yeah. We sure are.
0: <laughs> I also think there has been... We've, we've felt the generation that's coming up behind us a little bit.
1: Mm, in what way?
0: Well, you think about the generation that's kind of before us, right? I think that generation had the values and, uh, just traditions kind of passed down to them. And, and it was, it's firm there. Right. Um, and I think some of the males in our generation, we got some of that. hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't get it all, but we got some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this generation that's coming up behind us, it's almost as if they have none of those values and principles I agree with um, that. and those traditions kind of I embedded agree. in them. I agree with that. Right? So it's like, in a sense, I feel like we have kind of failed them a little bit. But it's like the generation before us kind of failed in passing stuff, some of the stuff down to us. No question. And we definitely have failed in passing it down to the generation that's coming up behind us, right? No question.
1: <laughs> but, but that makes what... What you're doing is So important oh, It's not just me man I'm, Well I'm saying you Because I know you Personally in the work You're doing is a whole bunch of people There's a whole you know, yeah. Machine or mechanism That's making it work yeah. Right But you're involved In that work yeah. You can't remove yourself From that no, either not, not at all. You know So I know it's not just you I'm not saying you're solely responsible for it But you When you wake up And you go and do your work And then you Handle your business afterwards Like you are committed To that work yeah. You can't remove yourself From that It's like people say Man You know about the freedom wall thing man like it's a wee thing it, i i get it it's a wee thing but i know on my seven I'll, i did my thing you did so you gotta <laughs> that's what i'm saying so you do your thing in the whole bigger picture you know it's gotta work like that man so sometimes we gotta see ourselves in that thing and say man i'm a bad dude like that's how I, that's where i'm at with mine now man
0: i can appreciate that i'm not mad at that <laughs> I think back to over the weekend, we went to uh, Fredonia for the Men of Color Summit. And I'm just now I'm thinking about how. All right. So I'm going to talk about the Youth Leadership Council for a second. They might be mad at me when they see me again. But so we were there and just in observation, kind of sitting back and looking at everything. I noticed that some of our young men don't have the when you talk about etiquette. Mm. It's not there
1: mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm.
0: Um, And that's one of those things It's etiquette You usually learn that You learn that at home mm-hmm. So that's just an example Of one of those things That should be passed down But it's not being passed down So they they sh- they should know That pretty soon They're uh, going to be sitting In some type of etiquette oh, uh, Training But good. it's needed And it's Absolutely. good And it just goes Ties into the whole Mentorship piece um, That's important man
1: It is My man Jay Jason He said the things that never go out of style are the things we should be teaching our kids etiquette never goes out of style never you know (laughs) politeness kindness chivalry chivalry (laughs) never goes out of style teach our kids especially our young black boys man that those things never go out of style man no matter what era you in I was just
0: sitting back watching, man, because they had breakfast laid out in the morning, right? And they had—it was a nice spread. Big big up to Fredonia for the spread, man. They had fruit platters and, like, four different types of uh, breakfast pizza, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: all types of stuff. So I'm watching the young men go through, and there's one guy. I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to put him on blast like that. But he was going through, and he grabbed, like, three slices of pizza. All right, I get it's there, right? But you can always go back and get more, Right, right. And it's just it's little things, but that's it. Remember, go back to the code switching piece. So we later on in life, when you're in at a at a banquet or in an award ceremony, and uh, or there's a you know open buffet, you know you don't just grab everything because it's there. You know, you just grab yeah. what you need, and if you're still hungry, you slide back yeah. later on, and you grab something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, But
1: there's something deeper than that, man. I ain't going to keep going, but there's <laughs> deeper than that. It's just, that's the scarcity mindset, though, man.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's another podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, man. So, we could go deep. So, But, yeah, but thank you, man. I see we getting the, the, the nod, the from, the, yeah, get like nod like from the cut. They about to pull us off like Apollo. Yeah, man. Um,
0: Adrius, we definitely got to have you back, man. It's been a great conversation. Um, Before we wrap up, we always kind of end the podcast with uh, our guest giving uh, either a special word of encouragement uh, to the young men out there that are listening to the podcast. Uh, So, one word. Or not not necessarily a word, but a positive
1: message. I got you. Man. Wow. I would just my words would be what I would say to myself, man, which I would like put in the headphones on ten. Your current self or your younger self? My my younger self. Okay. My younger self is you are capable. That's it. Like you are capable, man. And that means in extended form a little bit is whatever it is that you have on your mind that you want to achieve or that you feel like You know, um, might I do X, Y, Z? You're capable, man. You're capable. And just because you can't see it or you don't see anybody around you that has done it, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be the person to make it possible for the people behind you to believe in something. Just because you can't see it right now. Like, you're capable.
0: All right, y'all. Y'all heard it first. You are capable. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap up. Remember, you can catch our podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher. Google Play and also Apple Podcasts. I uh, want to make sure that I thank Say Yes Buffalo, uh, the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo, and also the Greater Buffalo Racial Equity Roundtable. With that, it's a wrap, and we'll see y'all soon. Peace. Peace.